0: Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds with Bible Truth for Living. Thank you so much for tuning in today, whether you're listening on the radio or by podcast. It's always a joy to be with you. We'll be in Philippians chapter 2 in just a moment, but we're excited about someone we have coming this coming weekend uh, to our church. First of all, this Saturday, August the 5th, is our monthly Man Alive prayer breakfast. We're excited to have Pastor Kevin Bernard Uh, He is the pastor at New Horizon Baptist Church in Ward, Arkansas. Brother Kevin is from this area, and uh, he's going to be with us this Saturday at 8 o'clock to speak at our men's prayer breakfast. So you'll really enjoy Brother Kevin. He does a great job. He's just a wonderful person, and uh, we encourage you to come out, men, and get a free hot breakfast, great time of fellowship, and hear Brother Kevin, and then Sunday morning, Uh, Brother Kevin will be back with us next week, Sunday, August the 6th, in our 10 o'clock service at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. Um, We uh, begin each week at 9 o'clock. We have a fellowship and breakfast time and then 9.30 Sunday school classes and 10 o'clock morning service. Pastor Kevin will preach in that service. We invite you to come and be a part of that. You'll enjoy his preaching. And uh, again, we hope you can be with us. Tell other people about that. Pastor Kevin Bernard from Ward, Arkansas and locally here from Belrive. Uh, we'll be with us 8 o'clock Saturday morning for our Man of Life prayer breakfast, and then next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock in the morning worship service at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. Mount Vernon Baptist Temple is located at 817 Woodland Drive here in Mount Vernon. We're continuing our three-part message titled, United We Stand. We're looking at Philippians chapter 2. Last week we looked at verse 1, and uh, this week we will look at verse 2, but I'll read them both together. Uh, to uh, make sure that we go over everything and uh, we're all up to speed, as they say, all right? The Paul, the Apostle Paul writes, "...if there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies." We covered that last week. "...fulfill ye my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind." That's the verse we will be focusing on in today's message. The story is told of a city slicker family who moved out west and purchased a cattle ranch. A friend came out to visit one day and asked, what did you name the ranch? And the owner said, well, I wanted to name it the Bar J Ranch. My wife favored the Susie Q Ranch. Our son wanted the Flying W Ranch. And our daughter liked the Lazy Y Ranch. And we just didn't know what to name it. And the man said, Well, what did you decide on? And he said, Well, we finally settled on the Bar J, Susie Q, Flying W, Lazy Y Ranch, quite a big name. And the friend said, Okay, so where are all the cattle? And the man said, well, none of them survived the branding. You know, so uh, it's hard for anything to survive when you don't have unity. They couldn't agree on a name. And that's true in a marriage. It's true in a business. It's even true within a local church. In the text we're looking at in Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is asking the church to fulfill or complete his personal joy by exhibiting unity within the church. You know, I believe that a marriage will be filled with joy when spouses are unified, uh, parents are joyful when their children are unified and getting along. A boss, a manager is joyful when employees are unified. A coach is joyful when a team is unified. And yes, a pastor is joyful when the congregation is unified. The Bible says in Psalm 133 and verse 1, "...how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to, to dwell together in unity." Now, we last week looked at the appeal for unity in verse 1. Today, we're going to look at the approach to unity as we study the four traits of unity the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, gives us. Number one, the Bible tells us that unity is to be mindful. He says there in verse 2 Fulfill you, my joy, that you be like minded. How are we to be like minded? Well, I think, first of all, in our efforts. That means. That all of us within a local church, the churches I happen to pastor, Mount Vernon Baptist Temple, Waltonville Community Church, or wherever you seem, uh, or rather wherever you uh, go to church at, uh, you need to be unified in your effort. What are those efforts as a church? Well, I think those efforts include prayer, certainly, uh, Bible study, uh, church attendance, witnessing, serving, all of these things are part of the efforts of a local church. Now, remember this, within the local church, you have different believers with different gifts, and they may not be the same gifts, but the goals behind the gifts should be the same. Listen to what the Bible says in First Corinthians 12 verses 4 through 6. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. So there may be different gifts, different people even with those gifts may use those gifts in different ways. For example, if you have the gift of teaching, Uh, You may uh, enjoy teaching uh, little children, you know, in the the preschool age or kindergarten age. Others would say, no, I don't like that group of uh, people to teach, but I like to teach teenagers or maybe it's senior adults. Whatever the case is, whatever your gift is, the same goal should be in mind. That is to reach everyone for Christ. In fact, verse 12 of the same chapter says, for as the body is one and hath many members, just like your physical body. And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So like your physical body has arms and legs and fingers and toes and all of those things, so it is with the body of Christ. Different members, different people functioning with different gifts, but all with the same effort and goal in mind. You think of a football team. A football team has 11 different players in 11 different positions, but they all head toward the same goal line. If you follow music, an orchestra will have different musicians playing different instruments, but they are all playing the same song. So it is the goal that produces the unity. So we should be mindful in our efforts. And then, number two, we should be mindful in our essentials. Uh, Christians and churches sometimes can be guilty of majoring on the minor things and minoring on the major things. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But I believe there are some essentials that uh, the, uh, those within a local church must be unified uh, in uh, in order for the work to move forward. Now, I'll tell you what some of those essentials are. Uh, where I pastor, uh, we believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. He is not just uh, another man born uh, as everyone else is, but Jesus Christ is virgin born. The sinless blood of Christ is essential. He has to be virgin-born in order to be sinless because he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. The sufficiency of Jesus Christ is an essential. That means that Christ alone is our way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. The sufficiency of the blood atonement of Christ. It's nothing else added to it. It's just the blood of Christ that atones for the sins of humanity. I believe that the reality of heaven and hell are essential beliefs. There's a real heaven. There's a real hell, all right? Uh, The Inspired Inerrant Word of God. Uh, It's not just another book. It's the inspired Word of God, and it has no mistakes. The Ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Indwelling, the Filling of the Holy Spirit, the Eternal Security of the Believer, that we are saved uh, by the uh, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and he seals us until the day of redemption. Uh, The rapture and the second coming of Jesus Christ are essentials. And so we call these fundamentals of the faith, and we must be unified and mindful in both our efforts and our essentials within a local church. Number two, our unity is to be mindful, and then it is to be moral. He says, be like-minded, having the same love. Now, let's talk about that for just a minute. First of all, regarding our faults. You know, the Bible says in James chapter 5 and verse 16 to confess or agree about your faults one to another. That's not sin. It's not talking about uh, confess your sin. You confess that to God. But what it means is that whenever we maybe have done something wrong to offend somebody, even to the point of sin, we uh, we must admit that um in order for the relationship to move forward we must agree Uh, is what confession is. is simply agreement. And love is what allows us to do that. Love allows us to be able to come to agreement and to admit when we've done something wrong or said something. You know, sometimes we can do that unintentionally. And we must be willing to do that. And sometimes that includes overlooking the shortcomings of others that have done us wrong. That's, That's what love does. In fact, the great love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4, says charity or love suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth. In the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. All of these are aspects of love, and having that same love involves admitting our faults and also overlooking uh, whenever someone has offended us. We should not be so easily offended. And then also in our forgiveness. What if someone has done something wrong? We ought to be willing to forgive them. Uh, go to them and and uh, let them know that you're sorry if you've offended them. That's forgiveness. You see, uh, sometimes we uh, do that and uh, we want to hold on to it, you know, hold on to a grudge and we won't forgive somebody. Let me tell you, there's danger in that. When you harbor unforgiveness towards someone and uh, you won't let that go, God cannot bless you. In fact, there's a real danger in this. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, part of the Sermon on the Mount. He says in verse 14, "...for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses." I would say let it go. I'd rather have God's forgiveness than to be hard-headed and hold a grudge and bitterness towards somebody. That doesn't mean you'll always trust them again, but uh, don't hold on to things. That just hurts yourself, hurts your own prayer life, and so uh, unity uh, requires us to be moral regarding our faults and our forgiveness. Number three, unity is to be uh, mindful, it's to be moral, and then it is to be mutual, Back to our text, the Bible says, be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord. One accord. Now, be one accord in what? Well, I think regarding our likes. Now, a moment ago, we talked about unity and the essentials, those things that, uh, you know, we don't budge on the virgin birth of Christ, the, the, the blood atonement of Christ. But then there are other things that are non-essentials. And these are things that you might call preferences or uh, you might call them likes, But uh, we must understand that those things are not worth causing disunity uh, and disagreement about. (laughs) For example, as a child... I strongly disliked cooked cabbage. I didn't like the smell of it. Uh, My grandma would make that, and boy, I just didn't even like to look at it or smell it or anything, but something happened as I got older. I started to like cooked cabbage. I I like the taste of it now. It doesn't bother me a bit. You know, sometimes your preference changes. Your preference changes as you get older, maybe as you begin to get more experience, Uh, and those are preferences. These are things not to cause division about. Let me give you a personal example of that. Uh, As a pastor uh, in, uh, in fact, two churches, I prefer not to mow my grass on Sundays. Now, personally, I know that does not have anything to do with my salvation. I could go hop on my mower and mow the grass, and it wouldn't amount to anything. But I prefer not to do that because I don't want to cause someone else to say, well, look at the pastor, he's mowing on Sunday. Uh, so I don't do that just because of that. That's just a preference. But if you mow your yard, have at it. I won't think any, any more or any less of you. Uh, and we shouldn't do that toward one another. People have different preferences. You know, some people prefer not to shop on a Sunday or go out to eat. That's fine. Either way you go, just realize these are preferences and things that are not worth disrupting unity over. Different than essentials. Now, Paul talks about this in First Corinthians Corinthians chapter 8 and it, and this sounds a little bit strange because it doesn't affect us today but at that time this was a big deal. In those days, back when Paul was writing these letters, people would sacrifice meat to false idols and there was a discrepancy on whether you should eat that meat or whether you should not. And so Paul addresses the issue, and we can put this into perspective of of any of our preferences that we have today. 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 4 says, As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. For though there be those that are called gods, whether in heaven or earth, as there be God's many and Lord's many, but to us there is just one God. And Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge, for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. Now what Paul is really getting at here is he is saying it's a preference. Whether you eat the meat offered to the idol or not, the idol doesn't amount to anything, all right? We know there's one God, so we don't have to worry about that. That shouldn't create division. We That's something you, you either like to do or you don't do, and don't squabble over it. However, the next thing in keeping one accord means that we need to be careful regarding our Christian liberty. There may be some things we like to do, and we know it doesn't harm our walk with the Lord, but if it's a stumbling block for someone else, just because we have the liberty to do it doesn't mean that we should do it. You know, Paul in another place says, everything is lawful to me, but not everything is expedient. In other words, I shouldn't do it because it might be something that uh, causes someone else to stumble in their walk. Now, he approaches that in the next verses in 1 Corinthians 8. Listen to verse 9. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed, or beware, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see thee which hast knowledge, sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. So Paul is saying this, if someone else who maybe is not so mature in the faith, if they are offended by that, I'm not going to eat the meat just to show them I can do it. He says, I'm going to back away from that so I don't trip them up in their, in their young faith. So we must consider others. We may have likes and we have liberty but we don't want to abuse our liberty. And so we must be wise in balancing these things. And I hope that makes sense because that helps us to stay in one accord. Remember within a church, you have some folks who are very mature in their faith. They've been saved for years, all right? And they, they are not bothered by certain things where someone else, maybe they're a new Christian, maybe they've learned differently. And so we must be wise in balancing these things in order to keep the unity among the brethren. So uh, we've looked at three of these points. Let me to give you the fourth one when we talk about unity it is to be mental again back to our text in Philippians 2 he says fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded having the same love being of one accord and then he says of one mind Now, there are several New Testament scriptures regarding being of the same mind or of one mind. Let me just share a few of those with you. Romans 12 and verse 16 says, be of the same mind one toward another. Romans 15 and verse 6 says, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10, that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 11, be of one mind, live in peace. Philippians one twenty seven, with one mind striving together. Philippians three sixteen, let us mind the same thing. First Peter three and verse eight. Be ye all of one mind. First Peter four and verse one. Arm yourselves with the same mind. So we see this repeated several times in the New Testament. Be of the same mind. Be of one mind. Now here's what I want you to think about. If we as believers are to be of one mind, we're to have the same mind, the question is, whose mind are we one with? Are we one with the pastor's mind? Are we one with the deacon's mind? Are we one with the denomination's mind? Whose mind are we to be one with? Well, we find the answer in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. Here's what the Bible tells us. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You see, here's what I want you to see. When Paul says, be of one mind, he's not talking about a man here. He's not talking about a denomination. He's talking about be of one mind, following the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, be you followers of me as I follow Christ. You have been given the mind of Christ. You know, as as Christians, I don't think we fully understand the entire uh, compensation package we got with salvation. You know, when you get a job, uh, you get different benefits along with just the job. You get other things, uh, uh, you know, retirement and life insurance and all of those things. You got much more than just eternal life. That's the That's the big thing. But along with that, one of the things you received was the mind of Christ. You begin to see the world differently. Your worldview begins to change because you see like Christ sees. And as you get closer to him in your walk, as you read the Bible, you go to church, you hear preaching, you listen to gospel music, you study your Bible, you pray, you witness, you're becoming more like Christ all the time. And you begin to see the world framed around the mind of Christ. And this impacts every part of your life. You begin to have the mind of Christ in your marriage, in your parenting, in your finances, in your job, in your friendships, in just everyday life. You take on the mind of Christ, and that's a great benefit for the believer. Now, I'll close with this. A great concert hall was once filled with bunches of pianos. And uh, this man was taking a tour, and he noticed pianos all over this concert hall, and so he finally had to ask a musician, "How in the world do you keep all of these pianos in tune with one another?" If you're a pianist, you know how important it is to have a piano in tune?" And so he wondered, you know, when one hits uh, an A and I, I'm not very musically inclined, but I think A is a note, and uh, it's hit on another piano and another piano. How are they all in tune? How does that work? And here's what the musician replied. He said, well, really, it's easy. He said, all of these pianos are tuned to one tuning fork. Whenever you tune it to one tuning fork, all of them are inherently tuned to one another. And so as you you don't go around with a tuning fork for one piano and a different tuning fork for another. You tune them to the same fork, and then by default, they are tuned to one another. Now, the whole point is this, that all believers, uh, as they are tuned to Christ, will remain in tune with one another within a local church. If the pastor is in tune with Christ... He'll inherently be in tune to the people. If the people are tuned to Christ, they'll be tuned into one another. And that's how unity, that's how harmony works within a local church. You know, that works in a family as well. If dad's in tune with Christ, and mom's in tune with Christ, and the kids are in tune with Christ, you're going to have a family that's inherently in tune with one another. But if one gets off track, If dad's in tune with Christ, but mom isn't, where mom and dad are and the kids aren't, or however the dynamic may be, there's going to be disharmony, disunity. So we have the way given to us through God's word. We just need to follow the prescription. Amen. And I hope that message will be of help to you, if not now, somewhere down the road. Now, let me remind you as we wrap up the program today about this coming week, Saturday, 8 o'clock, all the men in the community are invited to our monthly Man Alive prayer breakfast. Pastor Kevin Bernard from Ward, Arkansas will be our guest speaker. And then next Sunday, August the 6th, at 10 o'clock, Brother Kevin will preach in our 10 o'clock service at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. Also want to take a moment to thank all of those who support the broadcast. Just about every day I run into someone who says they listen to the program and I want you to know how much that encourages me, how much that uh, we enjoy hearing the folks are tuning in. I pray that it's a blessing to you. Uh, Many of you pray for the ministry and then several also give financially to keep us on the air. It costs money to stay on the radio stations and to have a podcast ministry and all of that is 100 percent by the gifts of God's people. And I want you to know we appreciate that. If you have considered that before and you say, hey, I like the preaching and teaching of God's word, Uh, I want to be a blessing to the Bible truth for living ministry, we encourage you to do that. Do not take that from your local church. Your tithes and offerings belong there. Support missionaries of your own church. But if you're looking to give to another ministry, again, you appreciate the preaching and teaching of God's word here locally on the radio and through the podcast, we ask you to consider doing that. Any any amount is appreciated you can send that to Bible Truth 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Include your best gift if you want to include a note, uh, maybe a testimony, a praise, a Bible question, whatever. Uh, we we always look forward to getting those as well. And uh, many of you support us, and we certainly do appreciate that and have done so for many, many years. Well, as we wrap up the program, thank you again so much for taking the time to listen today. And I look forward to being with you next week as we will look at part three of this series united we stand from philippians chapter 2 hope you can tune in then until that time this is pastor tim reynolds saying may god bless you is my prayer